Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the NFL! Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello and welcome to this week's very own episode of the DWZ. That's right, the Dynasty Warzone's very own rookie rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas, and you can find me on social medias, specifically Twitter, at Salad Galore. That is Dallas with the double L spelled backwards, Galore. It is great to be here, guys, and we are officially done and wrapped up with the prospecting section of the offseason where you look at the broader picture the last eight to ten ish weeks with a couple of weird episodes tossed in there have been exclusively devoted to going over each division in my first year forecasting series if you have not listened to all the episodes or have not gotten a chance to even really start it because you are behind on your podcasting love and listening you know guide and normalcy that you're usually doing with this busy summer, then I suggest you go back and listen to them. Um, There are quite a few good little nuggets on there. And I had a guest for every single episode talking about every single division with someone that was extremely biased for a team specifically in said division. So it gives you just kind of a little bit of a more nuanced look from people that care quite a bit and care enough to research beyond what a lot of people have a tendency to do for certain teams in the NFL. With that in the rearview mirror, we are looking forward to my personal favorite segment. And according to a lot of the you know response and raves I got from it last offseason is a lot of people's favorite segment in the Oklahoma drill. And so for those of you that are not fully remembering what that is, I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of the lowdown just to see exactly what I'm going to be doing. Um, this Oklahoma drill segment for those of you that aren't familiar with um, football and football practicing, specifically off-season or two-a-days from your high school and middle school days, uh, the Oklahoma drill is a mano-a-mano competition of two people, typically, that are notorious for going up against each other. They are typically around the same size, typically around the same type of drive, motor, and skill set. It is a 1v1 comparison, and that is what the overarching theme of this series is. I'm going to be looking at two players from the same position in comparing them head to head. And I know that that happens often with people when they're just comparing ADP or a list of players, you have a tendency to compare certain traits. Well, the whole point of the Oklahoma drill is taking two people with extremely similar athletic profiles, skill position profiles, as well as college experience profiles in a specific slot in a specific position in their offenses and then translating that into what we can expect from them as prospects going into the first year. So as a recap from what I did last year, I compared the likes of a Kenneth Gainwell to a Javion Hawkins. That was my biggest L from last year, but I had quite a few successes as well, where it was a comparison of a guy like Nico Collins to that of Cornell Powell, who didn't end up even making the Chiefs roster, which is something I warned you about in that episode last year, as well as comparisons of guys like Rondell Moore to Kadarius Tony as that gadget player, the comparison of like the Daz Newsoms to the late, late, late roster guys, as well as 
as a comparison of the two North Carolina backs in Michael Carter and Javante Williams. Um, that was a special UNC episode just because, as a lot of people know that have been following me for a while, I have a deep-rooted love for my man Michael Carter and still there. Um, they have Brees, but he's still doing exactly what I thought he was going to do. And if you listen to the episode, you would have known that. This offseason, uh, with about five, le- five weeks left with training camp starting just this prior week, um, I will be going into five episodes. There will be two wide receiver episodes, two running back episodes, and a special tight end episode. Uh, we're avoiding the quarterbacks because in all reality, there's no point in comparing guys that realistically aren't even going to see the field this year outside of maybe one. And if we're really, really lucky, two guys, just for those of you that are rostering them in dynasty spaces. But we're going to start off with kind of a bread and butter position. Um, we're looking at slot wide receivers in the NFL. And it's two specific guys on two teams that are looking for new targets with a new kind of role for these guys coming into the NFL, but with a lot of question marks as to what we can actually expect their output to be in their rookie seasons. And the two that I'll be looking at are, as will be a theme with all of these, not going to be the high-end guys. They're not people that you're spending your first five to six picks on in dynasty drafts for rookies. These are going to be slightly later on prospects. And the first one is going to be Jahan Dotson. And the second player I'm comparing him to is going to be Sky Moore. So these are guys that were at the back end of your first round in rookie drafts and the early end of your second round in rookie drafts. And when you look at their profiles, they're pretty dang similar. They were by definition, the target volume hogs on their team. Um, Both of them had the, you know, had the unfortunate thing of happening to where for their profiles, they profile very well as slot wide receivers. The size, the weight, the speed, the separation combo on both of them is otherworldly, which just screens your ability to basically maneuver in the slot. Unfortunately, due to the dearth of weapons around them on their teams, they were both forced into an outside and inside true X role and a move piece role on an offense that I don't think you're realistically going to be seeing at the NFL level. Um, for Jahan Dotson, you're looking at a guy who's 5'11", 183 pounds, um, a little bit light frame, came in a little bit lighter than you anticipated him to at the actual NFL combine, but has since added weight. He was in the 170s at the combine. According to reports now, he's up at the 180 range, which is kind of what we were expecting. Um, unfortunately, he did not really run a true burner time. He ran in the four fives with the 40, which is completely respectable. But when you do high weight adjusted speed wasn't as good as you anticipate or truly want from a prospect that's going to be in the slot for sky Moore, you're looking at a little bit more of a bulkier player five foot 10 191 pounds um, he's in the range of about 195 pounds him and khalil shakir both ran in the low four fours sky Moore actually ran the four four one forty which height weight adjusted speed is very good for a wide receiver that's right around 191 pounds both of them are kind of middle of the road age prospects so it's basically just average you're looking at Jahan Dotson, who's coming in to the NFL at 22.3 years old, and Sky Moore, who's coming in at 21.8. Basically, a four and a half months difference between their birthdays. They're both younger prospects that don't really, uh, you know, have any knocks against them at the wide receiver position. Typically, you're looking as long as they come in underneath the age of 23, you're kind of okay with it. But the thing with both of them is that. John Dotson came out as a true senior, which is obviously a pretty big flag for wide receivers when it comes to, um, you know, historical data for breakouts in their rookie year. 
Skymore did not. Um, the difference as well as the two teams that they are going to is the biggest difference. When you look at it, Skymore is going to the Kansas City Chiefs with, you know, the godsend Patrick Mahomes chucking the ball all the time and in one of the most heavily pass you know, oriented offenses in the league. And then you have Jahan Dotson going to a team that's been struggling to find really constant receiving options on the team, but is typically predicated on extreme rush attempts throughout the season and having a quarterback that's more of a game manager in those shallow targets. So when we look into the offenses a little bit more later on in this episode, you'll understand why I think one of them is probably going to do quite a bit better this year than the other one. But when you look at their college resume, we're not quite done with that. The target percentages, both of them were actually above the 84th percentile. So um, Jahan Dotson had 32.5% of his team's targets, which puts him at the 85th and a half, basically, percentile. And then you have Sky Moore, who actually saw 39.5% of his team targets, which was in the 98th percentile. There's only been about 10 prospects in, since player profile has started that stat that have been higher than him, thus putting him extremely high on the list um for all of the prospects in this series i'll also start off with the fact that i'm doing two year samples so the 2020 season and the 2021 season now this may be a knock on some people some people look to look at their freshman years um i lean further into what have you done for me lately as is the case with pretty much every asset in dynasty ever it's cool that people, I mean, just look, it, it's cool what people have done like three or four years ago. Like, cool, Julio Jones was still breaking the world three or four years ago, but guess what? He's not doing that anymore. And I understand that age has a large part to do that, but there's quite a few prospects that we see one glimpse of hope for. And then a lot of people that make the mistake of holding on to that hope for too long rather than paying attention to what the last two years typically have done for you. Um, that's where you kind of get yourself into trouble. So I have a preference, especially because they're getting older and they're getting more nuanced and you're going to see what they actually are as finished products coming out of college to pay attention only to the last two years. So all the sample sizes for the stats for all of these players, regardless of position is going to be based on the last two years. So 2020 and 2022, sorry, one, like I said. So over the last two years, Jahan Dotson has reeled in 143 receptions for two 1066 yards at a 14.5 yards per clip very solid numbers across the board when you're considering that came in over the course of 21 games so the fact that he's putting up basically a thousand yards every 10 games should be very very eye-opening to you because oh yeah plot twist does that average out to roughly 100 yards a game it does what's even more impressive is in those 21 games he has put up 20 receiving touchdowns so he's basically averaged a hundred yards and a touchdown every game over the last 20 games of his career those are the numbers you look for consistency wise the only other player in this class that has consistently put up that exact same type of total is Mr. Chris Olave, who's a fan favorite of myself. These are the consistent numbers that make you a extremely high floor fantasy prospect, which for both of these, you could argue during the slot position is what you're going for. Very, very seldomly do we get a season like a Juju Smith-Schuster had a couple of years ago where you're getting 1,400 yards out of a guy that primarily plays out of the slot. It's very not characteristic of a position. These are guys like the Jarvis Landrys, like the Cooper Cup prior to the explosion that he had last year, like the Robert Woods, who are consistently going to get you those high-floor fantasy seasons in the wide receiver two range. And I think that one of these two players, I'm not going to tell you who yet, has the ability to hit that mark in the first season. 
as we continue on to look at this, um, neither one of the prospects really had any type of rush floor. Um, when you're looking at it, you had <laughs> three yards per carry on average from Jahan Dotson, five yards per carry on average for Sky Moore, and they combined for a total eight rushes in their collegiate career. Um, but when you look at Sky Moore on a worse team with slightly less production than a Jahan Dotson, you start to kind of see where this gap starts to take in. Although the target share was higher for a Sky Moore, he only saw 120 receptions for 1,680 yards, so about 23 receptions less for almost 500 yards less than what you saw from a Jahan Dotson. That averages out to about 14 yards per clip, which is pretty on par, so he's on pace for it. But where the big true difference comes in is the actual receiving touchdown production, which you can say what you want about it being fluky from year to year, but when you see two straight years of dominant touchdown performances, that's usually indicative of something good, especially since Jahan Dotson just consistently put up 10 each season. Um, basically, all of those 13 receiving touchdowns came last year for Sky Moore. He only accounted for two of them in the 2020 season. And so when you're looking at the two collegiate profiles, for me, it's it's pretty similar to be real with you because um, Sky Moore only put up 17 games worth of production on film over the last two years, just due to, you know, the SES not really playing very much, uh, smaller school, everything like that. But the production does lean Jahan Dotson just from the profile. And although athletically, I do like Sky Moore a little bit more than Jahan Dotson, especially due to the height weight combo that you're kind of dealing with with a Sky Moore. Um, they're, they're pretty much a wash in their college careers. Um, they've been viewed very similarly in a lot of ranks, both prior to the NFL draft and post NFL draft. Um, the main reason that we are kind of meeting in the middle, though, from those pre-drafts to the post-drafts even closer is due to the teams that they landed on. And Jahan Dotson was drafted the 16th pick of the first round, while Sky Moore was drafted the 22nd pick of the second round, um, with Jahan Dotson going to the Washington Commanders and, of course, Sky Moore going to the Kansas City Chiefs. When you start to break down these offenses a little bit, just from the number standpoint, you will see that the offensive ranks are not even close. Um, it's probably not a shock to anyone, but the Washington commanders, specifically underneath Scott Turner over the last two years, have focused very, very small window of movement on their offense. They are basically middle of the road on all categories for passing, rushing, team rank. They are 17th overall average over the last two years. And when it comes to offensive ranks, their pass ranks 21st, their rush ranks 15th. So you're looking again, just evening out those pass run ratios for a team overall offense right in the middle of the road. Um, what we're looking at situation-wise for a guy, both in Jahan Dotson and for a guy, like Sky Moore is, there is a legit opportunity to where they could, be, could become the second option wide receiver on the team. Um, both of these teams, both of these systems underneath Andy Reid and Scott Turner predicate themselves on one main target and one main tight end, typically, with a middling group of wide receivers behind them. Uh, a lot of that is not due to the you know, choice of the offensive coordinators. A lot of it is due to the fact of how bad the second and third options at receiver have been for these teams in the past, um, looking at them now, these realistically are two of the best op options at the wide receiver position that you've seen on either one of these teams outside of the number one option. Uh, they fit a little bit different of a profile where both of these players, like I said, fit perfectly in the slot role and slot position on these teams, which 
they really haven't had for either one of these offenses over the last couple of years. Um, they've both based themselves on getting extremely explosive athletes that kind of just bounce around to different positions and try to get open however they can, but neither one has had a true technician of a route runner outside of their tight ends and their wide receiver ones in Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas with Travis Kelsey and a guy like Tyreek Hill, who now is, you know, jetsoned. Um, both of these teams have a, a, a pretty – pretty similar wide receiver two target average. You have 55 on average targets going to the wide receiver two, which is not that good when you're looking at it. But again, a lot of these offenses have been, these two specifically have been bouncing those targets around multiple different options. But with the chiefs, you're actually looking at 72 targets. That has a lot to do with the overall pass volume difference with an average difference of over 80 more passes for an Andy Reid led offense compared to a Scott Turner led offense over the last two years. The quarterback on target percentage has also been pretty staggering. This is a stat that I pulled for Carson Wentz and for Patrick Mahomes, um, not for the offenses in general, because it's 100% on the quarterback. Typically, um, Patrick Mahomes has sat right underneath 79% on target percentage, which is number two in the league over the last two years, while Carson Wentz sits in the bottom third of the league with a 73% on target average. That doesn't sound like a huge difference, but when there is an 80 throw difference between the two teams that actually accounts for basically an extra 40 throws that are inaccurate from Carson Wentz compared to what Patrick Mahomes is doing, which is pretty staggering. When you're looking at the ceiling for both of these players, you are looking you're looking solely at basically a wide receiver two ceiling is the utmost best that these teams could produce. And this is where it gets a little bit scary for the offenses in general, um, based off of the track record for the options that they've had before. So the wide receiver two average in a fantasy half point PPR finish for the Washington commanders of the last two years. And Scott Turner has been wide receiver 85. The two-year average for the Chiefs has been wide receiver 66. Now, I know that doesn't seem like it would be something extremely shocking just due to, just due to the fact that the Chiefs are a significantly better team. Um, the big difference for me, though, is the fact that the weapons around the Chiefs and Sky Moore are significantly better this year than even what they've been in the past. And comparably, when you're looking at the options for the Washington Commanders. So they brought in in free agency Juju and MVS to try and fill the void of what we were losing with Tyreek Hill and Kansas City. On the flip side, the commanders are pretty much standing pat right now. They still have Terry McLaurin, who just re-upped his big contract. They have Curtis Samuel coming off of an injury, and then they have Logan Thomas, hopefully coming back from his pretty gnarly late season injury last year at the tight end position. So you have an injured tight end on the Washington commanders with an injury-prone kind of Z move piece on the actual team and Curtis Samuel. And then a true alpha that really does get that 120 to 140 targets every year. When you're looking at the chiefs, you're guaranteed to lock up this year, probably 150 targets to Travis Kelsey. That's about what his average has been over the last couple of years. And it's a slight uptick, honestly, above said average, just due to the fact that you're losing Tyree kill. Who's averaged 125 targets over the last three years on the team in general. MVS projects although not physically um height weight size type of aspect as to Tyreek Hill in play style extremely similarly to a guy like Tyreek Hill so he should be the field stretcher Nicole should stay at the Z position and Juju should realistically immediately step in as that slot role so what I'm seeing as opposed to the ceiling of a wide receiver two option for Sky Moore in his rookie year realistically is the fourth receiving option at the absolute best on this Kansas City Chiefs offense, as opposed to 
the wide receiver two option or even the second best receiving option on the team for the Washington Commanders in Jahan Dotson. When you were looking at these, although the Chiefs have 340 vacated targets due to their jetsoning running backs that they have a tendency to throw to, as well as the jetsoning of their top three wide receiver options over the last four years, those are all going to get sucked up. Um, Juju is going to account for over 100 targets. MVS should probably push for 100. Kelsey is guaranteed to sit over 100. And, and Mecole could have the highest target volume of his entire career, which is roughly, I think it's 83 right now. He could easily be looking at pushing 100. So if Patrick Mahomes, on average, throws that 652 targets over the last two years and continues that right now, you're looking at basically uh, maybe 70 targets going to a guy like Sky Moore in his rookie year in an Andy Reid-led offense that is notorious for not allowing production from their wide receivers year one due to the wait-and-see or prove your ability to understand the playbook before I actually put you on the field mentality that the Andy Reid coaching staff typically has. So when you account for all the running back targets that are guaranteed to be there with Jarek McKinnick re-signing and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire officially kind of being transitioned into that scat-back role, Ronald Jones coming in to hopefully take over that actual true running back position of rushing on first and second down, and then a guy like Isaiah Pacheco who's actually wearing Tyreek Hill's number 10 number this year coming in as a true burner and gadget weapon out of the backfield the targets just aren't there for sky Moore for me so when the comparison comes to this aspect i'm going to be leaning extremely heavily jahan Dotson in his rookie year and there's a couple of factors as i kind of noted that are like why i'm anticipating this um there is no longer a true running running back and a true wide receiver running back um scat back on this washington commanders team they re-signed jd mckissick and they have maintained antonio gibson on the team but they brought in a guy that can kind of do both of those in brian robinson you bring in a quarterback who notoriously does not check the ball down to his running back in carson wentz albeit that's usually for the worst outcome on the team and why he usually gets hurt and or sacked so regularly but a guy who doesn't really target those, he is more likely to stretch out plays and look for those targets over the middle, i.e. his slot wide receiver, what we've seen with Nelson Aguilar and guys like Jordan Matthews and guys like um, what would have been Zach Pascal last year, but um, that two tight end sets type of deals with Carson Wentz, regardless of the head coach that is there or regardless of the offensive scheme. That's typically what you see even in Indianapolis. It was the same thing with heavy targets to a guy like Zach Pascal last year. You then are bringing in a true move piece that can get open at whim, basically. Um, you would have Chris Olave for me at the top when it comes to separation and route running last year with Jahan Dotson as a close second in last year's, or not last year, this year's class. So when you're looking at a true separator, you have a tight end that's nursing injuries, a guy who predicates in most of his play at throwing over the middle of the field or throwing deep to a wide open target and a guy who's decently average albeit not the most uh, accurate quarterback in the league but a guy who can come in take those early season targets away from a guy like logan thomas to where he gets comfortable with carson wentz as a quarterback and carson wentz starts to look at him a little bit more and then that opens up the field even more for terry mclaurin and realistically you see a much more continued balance offense for run to pass ratio of what we expect in a scott turner offense but easier targets for carson wentz and the you know, the tide just keeps on pushing those ships down the road to hopefully a much better offensive and defensive output from this team than what we saw from last year. Um, when I'm looking at it, they only have 160 vacated targets, but a large majority of those 
could easily go to a guy like Jahan Dotson. Now, the biggest thorn in his side this year is the resurgence of a guy like Curtis Samuel, who, from an athletic standpoint, blows him out of the freaking water. People forget how much of a monster Curtis Samuel is and how much of a true slot he can be. But realistically, like I'm saying, I think he could fill the role of the Z, the move piece, more realistically. Um, you could see a season very similar to what we saw from Michael Hardman last year with a guy like Curtis Samuel in that 700-yard range, roughly 70 receptions, and a PPR floor that's pretty high week to week. But when it comes to the touchdown production, the true separation, and the game-breaking ability, I lean Jahan Dotson when it comes to how much targets he's probably going to get. Um, they're not great situations, either one of them, for these slot wide receivers, but I think they make a very good comparison for what you're looking at from a production standpoint in 2022. During their rookie seasons in the NFL, I don't think there's any contest here. I think you have to go Jahan Dotson. So if you are a win-now contender, hopefully you were select that player but another thing i want you guys to go and do is just go and read all of the reports from all the beat reporters all of the team reporters and all of the videos that have been put out by the washington commanders there's been although some people that have been spotlighted in their team uh, including terry mccloran just because of the re-upped contract most of their videos, most of their comments, and most of their praise has been hyped on the rookie Jahan Dotson on the offense. Um, pretty much all of the highlights thus far through camp have leaned into Jahan Dotson being the premier weapon for Carson Wentz and the rapport that they are showing on deep balls and specifically on rollouts and breakdown plays that they're practicing, everything's going Jahan Dotson way, not even Terry McLaurin, which is something that I love to see. And it's something that we've seen since rookie OTAs because Jahan Dotson was the one on the field. McLaurin was holding out. And so it's just added rapport to a guy in a rookie who typically doesn't get as much, um, not as much as a long of a leash as some of the veterans typically do. So once again, this has been the slot wide receiver episode. These are quick hitters as they've always been. Um, they're going to range right around 20 to 25 minutes because it's just two players. And I want you to tell you the skinnies, the facts, everything like that. But realistically, Jahan Dotson should blow Sky Moore's production out of the water. Wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't double. Realistically, what we see from Sky Moore today um, looking at the 2022 outlook, um, injuries can obviously change this, but as of right now, the wide receiver position from the slot role on these two teams, Jahan Dotson takes it day one for me, immediately is there in the two and three wide receiver sets as the true slot and helps Logan Thomas gets back without actually having to be that red zone target that he wants him to typically be in the Scott Turner offense. So I'm loving me some Jahan Dotson. I wasn't extremely high on him before the NFL draft, but right now he's my guy. So again, until next week, this has been the rookie rundown. The first episode of that's right. The Oklahoma drill. It's a series, it's a fun one, and you're going to see lots more comparisons. So hopefully you guys are taking receipts. I have been on these players. It's a fun exercise. And once again, it gives you that true outlook of two players that play the same role, the same type of way, and compares them. So um, until next time, have a great week, guys. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak